All right, so difficulties in meditation. This is the fourth part of the book, and we're going to look at chapter 13, namely distractions. So here's something that pretty much everybody has in common. There's some people that I've met that very, very, very few, sometimes during a retreat, there may not be a lot of distractions, but otherwise, everybody's gone. You know, that's just life. So, some distractions will be temptations, and other distractions will not. Right? So we can have distractions that are temptations, and distractions that aren't temptations. And it can be helpful to differentiate between the two, but at the end of the day, they're both there. Right? And uh, the author says really clearly, and I think it's an important balance thing, you can't avoid distractions. You can diminish t distractions, and you can develop a mature attitude in coping with them, which will help you to grow in virtue. But to have a realistic expectation, and honestly, like even in my own prayer life, I mean, I've been really, I've been trying to do this for about almost as long as some of you have been alive. So in any case, even for myself, like sometimes I still have an unrealistic expectation of what distractions will or will not exist in my life, right? Sometimes the distractions are coming and I'm just frustrated with myself. But that's not always even a realistic expectation because we're not always in control of this, right? And so distractions affect the intellect, the memory, the imagination. But the basic idea is the distinction. The next chapter will be on aridities. And aridities, he wants to say, is going to, is going to be something that's basically affecting the will. There's a lack of affective experience, a lack of being moved. But this, he says, is affecting the intellect, right? Or the memory and the imagination. But in any case, it's, it's, this, it's this sense that there's, there's stuff going on in my thoughts, right? If we're talking about thoughts, feelings, and desires, thoughts, feelings, and desires is the stuff that makes up our interior life. Distractions are dealing more with thoughts, right? I have thoughts that are distracting. So, how do we deal with it? There's, two, there's a distinction they make here between two different things. Voluntary distractions and involuntary distractions. So, Brother Seamus, what should we do with voluntary distractions? Yeah, not do that. That's right. And, and it, because we're choosing it. Yeah, so exactly. So the way to fix voluntary distractions is to make a better choice, not to do that. That's exactly right, right? And, you know, if we're going to be honest, sometimes we choose it, right? Directly or indirectly, right? And so you may... Um, you may pick a place to pray where you know you're going to be distracted. That's your fault. Pick a better place to pray, right? And then, or you may, you know, you may see something and you might go down this train of thought and you've chosen to sort of pursue this distraction, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, okay, well then you got to make a better choice. I'm going to stop thinking about this. I'm not going to choose to go down that, that thought sort of path. 
But then there's involuntary distractions. And it's, it's really like if you just thought about what's appropriate in a human conversation, right? So when I'm, you know, I'm talking to Brother John Francis and, and we're engaged, and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I see some, another brother over here like throw something across the room, and I'm like, what the heck was that? Well, it's an involuntary distraction, right? But if I'm talking to Brother John Francis, and then I just decide to turn and look at Brother Simeon and like start to ignore him, that's not cool, right? Like that's not okay if we voluntarily just blow somebody off who we're in a conversation with. Same thing with the Lord, right? Like presumably somebody wouldn't understand if you're just like, if you're a little bit distracted as opposed to choosing to just stop paying attention to them, right? Because God is trying to say something to us. And so again, this whole idea of conversation is helpful even in the distraction area. Now, the involuntary distractions, Brother Seamus, not so easy, right? Not so easy to take care of these guys. And so what are some sources of involuntary distractions, right? Exterior sensations. Man, I am hot. It's humid out today. Right? So poor Brother Thomas and I, we're like sitting next to each other in the chapel, and this is what's going through our heads, right? Sometimes. Visual images, right? All sorts of stuff. When you're praying in the chapel, it's easy. When you're praying in other places, it can be hard, right? You know, the, the, uh, the ranchero starts up across the street, and you're just like tapping your foot, and you're thinking about, you know, Mexico or something like that. You know, but also a lack of preparation for prayer, Right? There's this great line, right? Office of Reading, St. Charles Borromeo, every year, it's like, boom! Charles Borromeo, tremendous reformer, um, 16th century, and he died, like, in his 40s. Like, this, this guy, he's one of these guys that was made a cardinal really young, like, in his 20s or something like that. It wasn't such a great situation, but he turned out to be a great cardinal. And, but so he's giving a talk to his priests, and he says... You complain about being distracted during Mass, but what were you doing in the sacristy before Mass? And I was all like, I'm distracted, but what were you doing in preparation, right? So, like, the involuntary distractions can come from choices that we make before, immediately before prayer, a lack of preparation, or just our choices in life, right? Father Donald Haggerty, in his latest book, is just sort of musing and says, you know, like, what is the result of so much screen time on smartphones and, th and tablets and stuff like that going to be for prayer in the long run? It's a reasonable question, right? Other sources, failure in recollection, a vivid and unstable imagination. Now, that's just life, right, if somebody has one of those, right? Ill-restrained passions, you can work on that. Weak health, that's a cross. Excessive fatigue happens a lot. Well, hopefully not during novitiate, but in any case. But so those can be sources. And just, uh, I'd like to just share a um, sort of a, a visual um, that, that I found helpful. So if, like, you sort of imagine your interior um, like, like a river, and you're on one side of the river, here you are, yep, my amazing, my amazing... Uh, and Jesus is on the other side of the river, right? And you're sort of having this, this conversation with Jesus across the river. And, um, and, you know, so different stuff comes down the river, right? Sort of, sort of flows through your interior space of thinking, right? Your imagination, your memory. 
So as you know, you're, you're there and you're like, Lord, you know, I love you. And, and I wonder what's for dinner tonight. No, yeah, okay. So there's different boats that come down the river. You know, so like one boat comes down the river and it's just a harmless thought like that, like dinner. And it's just, you just, what do you do? You just let it go on by, right? Just let it sail on by and just continue to talk to the Lord. It's a distraction, an everyday distraction. No big deal. Don't beat yourself up. It's okay and probably not that hard to let go. However, you know, like on a boat coming down the river could be, you know, uh, your ex-girlfriend, you know, and now this is a little bit more serious of a distraction, right? So like all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's Susie. Hi, Susie. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember we had some, you know, and like you're thinking about getting on the boat, right, with Susie. And sometimes that happens. And if that happens, you got to then, when you realize you're on the boat with Susie and you've drifted down the river a good ways and Jesus is like back there someplace, you got to get off the boat, walk back up the river and start to talk to Jesus again. But this can be more serious stuff or let's, you know, let's just, you know, call it. So like maybe the boat has on it a political figure that you greatly dislike. So, I mean, a temptation, a distraction can be a temptation, both because it is attractive to you, like Susie Q, right, your ex-girlfriend, or because it is hateful to you, right? And so it can be very dangerous to jump on the boat of anger, judgment, resentment, right? So there can be other kinds of temptations that can, or distractions that are temptations that sort of float through your imagination that are more serious because they engage the passions more deeply, the emotions more deeply. And so they're going to require a greater resistance, but the, the ultimate answer is still letting them to float out, right? You can't stop these things from coming through the consciousness, your conscious awareness, but it is important to let them, let them go, right? Sometimes it requires a lot of work. But there's a third thing, and this is, again, from a different director, that, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a reasonable thing, and particularly during retreats maybe it, it can come up, but it could happen in, in everyday life. Through your consciousness, through the river of consciousness, right, could come a boat on fire, right? Like this huge thing that all of a sudden just like, right? So yeah, Father, I was just having this nice meditation with Jesus, and, and we were, you know, sort of... I was considering, again, like uh, the, the catch of fish on, uh, with St. Peter and the lake and things like that. And then all of a sudden I had this memory of my dad and this time that he like berated me when we went out to the soccer game thing and that may be a boat on fire coming right down your river. But in some cases, that may not be a distraction. That may be what you're supposed to pray about now, right? And so just to, to recognize that sometimes, like, we need to realize, okay, Susie Q is never going to be what you're supposed to pray about. Well, in a rare circumstance, but talk to me about it first, right? But, but this, this, like, burning boat, this thing that's really like something from your past or whatever that's, that's really deeply affects you, that may not be a distraction. That may be what the Lord wants you to bring to prayer. He may want you to talk to him about the boat, right? So just to recognize that that can happen, normal, everyday, typical, I would say, most of the boats are just distractions. Maybe the temptations, let them go. 
But there can be that exception, right? There can be those other things that God allows to arise in our experience of prayer, in our consciousness as we're, as we're praying. Um, obviously, so, is that all clear with that stuff? Is that okay? Mm-hmm, Brother Philip? Yeah, I think that that would be okay. So just, like, I think it's a good, it's a very good and it's a very realistic kind of, like, experience, right? So maybe somebody comes through and, and you're like, well, Lord, bless that person. Or maybe, like, the person comes through and there's a resentment that comes up. Jesus, in your holy name, I forgive Joe Schmo for that thing that he did that one time. Let it go. Back to prayer. Yep. Yeah, so that sort of thing would be okay. What you would need to be careful of is... Right? So, like, the enemy's astute, and if he thinks that he can just fill you up with getting distracted and praying for individual people through your whole prayer time, you'd have to be careful. If that just starts to happen all the time, and you're having a hard time getting back to meditation, then I would say stop even that stuff and just let the stuff go and don't pray for it, and just stay focused on Jesus. But otherwise, I think what you're saying would be fine. Yeah, I think what you're saying would be fine. And you could even tell Jesus, Jesus, did you... Did you just see that Susie Q went by on the boat? You know, like, could you please help me out with that? Because I think I need to let that one go. And I just need a little bit more of your help. So, Lord, I'm asking for the gift of courage and temperance right now. Okay, so. Um, but, yeah, so I think that that's reasonable. Is that cool? Yeah. Right. And that fire code does come. And so, sure, it could have been a memory that you need to like, process through. But also, we were also kind of, like, we spoke about last year, just like the aspect of, um, like, the Lord kind of, like, throwing in your face, kind of. Um, right. Kind of, kind yep. Of, like, so, so, I mean, part of it would be, yeah. So, if, if there is, like, a flaming boat thing, and so is it from the Lord or is it not from the Lord? Yeah, that's a, that's a legitimate question. Part of it would be the way that your heart's able to respond, is responding to it, right? So if there was, if there was, if there's something about the memory that's particularly, right? So like some of the interior heart reactions that we always need to be careful of, like, so pain isn't necessarily bad, right? So like that's a painful memory. That may be okay as long as I can connect it with Jesus right away. But if the memory is coming along with like accusation, mockery, things that are turning me in on myself, that's where you need to be careful, right? Um, and so, yeah, so I think that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate thing if I'm understanding what, what, was, what was said to you, totally. Um, and, and especially if it was something really strong, particularly at this point, I would say it's, it would, it's a good idea to bring it to 
me or to direction as soon as you can or whatever. Um, so those are those would be my immediate thoughts. I, do you have any anything further? Any other thoughts no, that just, you remember? Yeah. yeah. I just was thinking about it, just um, especially like there's an essay aspect of like because of our the words you kind of use like when you're having like a peaceful conversation for a board and then a fire drill comes. Like right. Kind of an aggressiveness with that. Like, yeah. So aggressiveness is not would not be good. Right. Aggressiveness would not be good if there was that experience of it. Um, That's right. Like yep. That's right. So, so yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like along, if a memory does come up or something comes up like that, that is painful. If it's from the Lord, it's still gonna. There's gonna be a grace with it to allow you to accept it more and to allow you to go straight to Him with it. Right. So. Um, so it's not going to carry the same kind of weight or hopelessness with it. It is going to, there is going to be this, 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 this possibility of, of connecting it to Jesus much more readily. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, thank you for asking that. That's great. Uh, what, do you, what would you do or what do you recommend doing if the fiery boat comes at like 5.58 p.m.? If the fiery boat comes right at the end of prayer, um, then I would, what would I, what would I suggest? So, I mean, I think um, as, as soon as I am able, I think I would, I would just try to just toss it the Lord's way and go, Jesus, what was up with that? Or what is up with this? And I can't, you can't tell me right now, but I just need you to give me some light on this as, as we go. And um, so I just bounce it back his way. And then obviously like we go to dinner then, right? But so in any case, you got to go to dinner. But afterwards, if you, if you have a chance at some point in the next few hours, maybe to journal something out and just to see where it's sitting in your heart, like, okay, so this thing came up. Am I really anxious about it? Or, or do I feel like God's taking it somewhere with, you know, with me? Um, and if you need to talk to somebody about it, talk to somebody about it, but, and it might be the sort of thing, you know, that I would sort of bounce his way, see what sort of a response comes and see if he wants to open up that conversation tomorrow, but maybe not. And so I just kind of would give it to him and just go, okay, what's going on? What's up with this? So I think that's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great questions. So with, with involuntary distractions, is it necessary to confess them? Mm -hmm. No, I mean involuntary. So to sin, you need to choose to sin. The will has to be engaged in order to sin. And so if the will is not engaged, there's no sin. It may be discouraging it you may feel awful it may be there can be lots of stuff and there may be times when you're like i'm not sure if it if it was voluntary or not and then you can bring it to confession but um 
But the clear teaching, right, is involuntary distractions do not need to be confessed, but we combat them in different ways, right? And so it's, it's the point is to move against them, which allows you to grow in virtue, right? And some of Ignatius's rules for desolation, discernment uh, uh, of spirits apply here in some different ways, and we can look at that at some point. But, so, two things that the book talks about is indirect combat. So how do we indirectly combat involuntary distractions? One would be an intensification of love for Christ and a mastery over our interior faculties. So if your imagination is super unruly, and just over time you're able to have a certain better mastery over it or just control of, of it, that's going to help you with your distractions in the long run. If you have memories that continue to come up and, and, and in that accusatory way and in that sort of way that's not helpful, and over time you get healing from those memories, you're going to have less distractions, right? They're never going to go away completely. If you intensify, I mean, so it's always this very simple thing of attraction. And so if your attraction to Jesus is stronger and stronger, and again, thoughts, feelings, desires, if your desires... For Jesus increase, the distractions will decrease because they will not have the same pull, right? So, I mean, the distractions are trying to pull you this way, you know, and they're distracting because there's something attractive about them. But so you're here in the middle, you know, sort of caught in the tug of war between distractions and Jesus, and this is true, right? Sin pulls you also. But so as your love for Christ increases, just one of the results of that, a fruit of that, is going to be that your distractions will decrease often. But God can still let you be distracted, like, till your head rolls off, right? I mean, well, I mean, that might not be true. But in any case, uh, it's an exaggeration, hyperbole, sorry. But God can still allow you to be afflicted with distractions. I mean, some extremely holy people, like Catherine of Siena, was terribly afflicted by temptations to, uh, of lust. And she was in the unit of weight. Like, that can happen, right? I know, sorry. You know? But uh, you thought that was all going to be over by, by the time you got the illuminative way in the fifth mansion. But no, right? So that can happen still. But normally speaking, increase in love of Jesus, increase in desire for Jesus, lessening of the power of distractions in your life, generally. Indirect. Directly, you can work against uh, distractions through an intense reapplication of the subject of meditation. What does that mean? An intense reapplication of the subject of meditation. Give it a shot. What do you think? Read it again. Yeah, read it. Or, or not even just reading it again, but, but really making a choice. Like, no, like, I'm choosing, like, I want to move back to this, right? So, you know, I'm meditating Jesus, the man with the withered hand, and then I'm, I'm thinking about gardening again or whatever your hobby is, right? And, and you're like, no, okay, like, I don't want to go off into la-la land with gardening. And so I, I make a strong choice, like, to refocus on that hand and Jesus and that image and that place in the gospel, right? So sort of an intense move back, a real strong choice of the will without being violent, right? Um, at the end of the day, you can do that, and it doesn't mean that it's all going to stop. It can still keep on coming. And... Um, just to, to, to just uh, 
what rule of, of Ignatius are you on right now? I forget how far. Five. five. Okay, well, five is, five is one of the biggies. Okay. But that, someday you'll get to rule 12. And uh, rule 12, 12, 13, and 14, Father Timothy Gallagher talk, talks about, whoopsie-daisy, um, 12, 13, and 14 don't deal with spiritual desolation in the same way, but deal with basically temptations. And Ignatius's insight with some of these things can also be helpful with distractions. And the basic idea in Rule 12 is if you take a strong stand up front, you're going to win. Doesn't mean that you're going to, they're all going to go away necessarily, but many times they will. But Gallagher's image is if you stop, to stop a snowball at the top of a mountain requires you to put out your finger. To stop a snowball once it's come all the way down a mountain is maybe impossible. So if the distractions are coming, and again, you just let them float on by, or you just, you just say, no, to stop it at first, a temptation at first, particularly if it's a temptation, it's much easier to stop it right at the beginning. right? And so the same thing is, is, is true with distractions many times. If you take a firm stand, never violently, never like killing yourself, but a firm stand like, nope, I'm not going to go down there, I'm staying with this. It can be extremely helpful, right, to just stop the snowball at the top of the mountain, right? And so those are some different things that Ignatius would say and that the, this author says about the combating of um, distractions. And ultimately, there's no permanent remedy. God could take all distractions away from you. Normally, he doesn't do that, right? And uh, the, one of the images that spiritual writers use is the chosen people, when they entered the promised land, right, God didn't allow them to wipe out all of their enemies in the promised land. They, certain pagan tribes or peoples remained, and they had to continue to fight and to continue to rely on God. So often God will allow distractions and things like that to remain in your prayer so that you have to grow in virtue and continue to rely on him and recognize your poverty. Because otherwise you're going to be like, man, I am so good at prayer. I don't have a single distraction anymore. God probably isn't going to let that happen. Because then you're going to be proud and then he'll never be able to get you, you know? And so on one side we need to realize we're probably always going to be beset by distractions on one level or another. There's some things we can do, which we've mentioned, and there's other things, it, it, there's some things we can do directly and indirectly, um, but we'll probably never get rid of them completely. The biggest danger is to stop praying. So if the distractions lead you to this place where you're just like, I'm throwing in the towel, that's the biggest danger, right? And just uh, one last quotation. Uh, St. Alphonsus talking about St. Francis de Sales. St. Francis de Sales says, that if in mental prayer we should do nothing else than continually banish distractions and temptations, the meditation would be well made. Right? So you might spend an hour just banishing temptations and distractions. And that's a great hour of prayer. It's just not one that you like. And neither do I. 
Um, and then there's just a, a little summary on, on page uh, 78 that I'll just mention. I think I said pretty much all this. Distractions are the common experience of all who practice mental prayer. Distractions can and must be lessened and reduced, which we spoke of. Distractions, however, cannot be entirely eradicated. Distractions must not discourage the soul from perseverance at meditation. So the most important thing is that you keep praying. If you continue to pray, you will succeed at prayer. Absolute guarantee. But so that's the danger of distractions. Temptations, obviously, is the further danger of sinning. So try not to do that also. Any last questions? Hmm. The bell tolls for the... Okay. <laughs>